I am Vengeance. I am a podcaster. The Batman coming up next on Haven't Seen It. Everybody, welcome on in. Thank you so much for listening today. This is a podcast where at least one of us is watching this movie for the very first time. And today, this is both of us. We just went and saw The Batman. We got to see this early due to a fan event, which I will comment was not really a fan event. Tommy, would would yeah. you say that the people sitting next to us weren't exactly fans of Batman? I, I wouldn't even say like just the people in front of us. It seemed like in general, um, this might have been one of the worst uh, like crowds I've ever been to a movie theater for. Um, so one of those things that like when you see a movie opening night or like midnight release and stuff like that, you get a lot of people there that are just there for like, I don't know, so they could talk about it on Reddit. They don't really give a shit about the movie. The guy next to us the whole time, sitting next to me directly, was like checking in his phone for Instagram constantly. He was constantly like elbowing me and stuff like that by accident. And just like, he even had his fucking, um, what's it called? Like flash on his, yeah, his flash on his phone a lot. And like, uh, so we went to the movie, it was at 7 p.m. And uh, we thought that meant there'd be trailers starting at 7 p.m. And there was not. It was annoying. It was fucking awful. The movie started immediately. Some people started walking in the aisle, down the aisle with their flashlights on, annoying the movie. And we couldn't see anything. I hated it. <laughs> Yeah, we did not have an optimal viewing experience. We, we've said in the past that we really enjoy going to the movies. We love the movie experience. This was not a good event for us, personally. Yeah. The people behind me were just crinkling popcorn in my ear the entire time. I didn't know it was physically possible. Yeah. But <laughs> And I, I think it's a testament, at least to me. Tommy, I could tell, was going to probably like this movie, regardless, as a big Batman fan himself. Yeah, <laughs> this this movie was fantastic, and we're gonna do some spoiler-free stuff. And you'll hear a cue when we're ready to get into spoilers. If you're listening and you want to just get our opinions of it briefly, we're gonna give them to you. Here's the Batman. When that light hits the sky, it's not just a signal; it's a warning. continues it won't be long before you've nothing left the batman in cinemas march 4 so this is the batman and i i want to take a first go at this i really enjoyed this movie not for what i think everybody is going to really like about it it's definitely a darker version and darker adaptation of Batman. If you want to say the Nolan movies were dark, they were not, especially in contrast to this. They kind of come off jovial and lighthearted in contrast. So that, for me, is always kind of like, oh, no, they're going to go too far with it. But they yeah. somehow didn't, which I found to be pretty fascinating. Overall, it's like the tone of the movie. It was dark. Um, 
Robert Pattinson is a really great Batman. I, I really enjoyed his portrayal of Batman. I didn't I didn't know how I felt about him as Bruce Wayne, to be honest, Tommy. And you want to know why? Why? Because Bruce Wayne is in this movie f- as Bruce Wayne for maybe five minutes. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> he he does Bruce Wayne does not make an appearance, and his character is meant to be more of a recluse, kind of like how he was after the events of the Dark Knight in the years leading up to the Dark Knight Rises, similarly. This movie nailed all the aesthetics. It is, I would say, in my opinion, one of the best-looking superhero movies I've ever seen. I would maybe even make a case, arguably the best-looking superhero movie I've ever seen. It was lit in dark it was lit in the night and i could see what was going on tommy you don't understand how much that satisfies me so many movies just make it impossible to see it was it was beautiful there were a lot of really breathtaking like honestly breathtaking shots just with the where you're following the characters and just the way the the black is contrasted by other lights is so fulfilling like as somebody yeah. who wants to see these movies taken into a next step, visually, I think this is the best looking superhero movie. And I think people aren't going to acknowledge it. I must have been like, oh, yeah, it looked really cool. But I think it kind of carries for maybe some of the short sights in the story, in particular, the motivation of some of the characters, M- more so in the villain side of it. I didn't, yeah. I didn't so, fully buy. I- the villain's motivations, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, so um, I, I, I do agree with you. I mean, like, uh, at the point of the movie, this is essentially the grunge version of Batman. Uh, not long story short, he, uh, this is the type of Batman that probably listened to Nine Inch Nails and Nirvana a lot. Um, and the aesthetic of it, the movie, like you said, is very dark. The Christian Bale movies were dark themselves, but this is literally dark. I don't think I can remember too many shots of this movie that were very well lit and sunny if at all, which we had a couple of those in like the Dark Knight trilogy with Christian Bale. So given that, it still like felt like very like, you still see everything very well. The action was very clear. Um, you know, the action wasn't very like shaky cam or anything like that. It was very clear to see all the punches and you felt the punches. You could feel Batman just wanted to like, just beat the living fuck out of like these criminals, which is great. Um, and like you said, Bruce Wayne, wasn't really a character. It is the only time I could think of like a live action Batman where Bruce Wayne was essentially the same as Batman. Um, just very similar. Like instead of being like the typical like um, uh, playboy, like, you know, party animal, the like, you know, facade that Batman usually puts on for Bruce Wayne this time, it was just like, yeah, he's just a grumpy emo kid too, just like Batman is. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's just a, a recluse. And I think. Uh, this a theme of this movie is isolation and you'll see you see that in bruce wayne in this movie and you see it in the riddler which is which again we'll get into later no spoilers um i do also want to mention the the action was pretty good in this there was the one sequence which is in the trailer so this isn't really a spoiler but it's just him fighting some guys with guns and the guns are the the lighting of the shot and and the they let the pacing of the bullets being fired dictate the rhythm of the action and oh my god i was like oh this is absolutely fantastic like it was amazing I, this, 
the visually it was amazing yeah the cinematography in general was just great there's so many shots just like that where it felt like literally you were reading a comic book it was right out of a comic book like when um um there's one scene in the trailer that you see where batman uh is approaching a car um that, that the car's upside down and you see it through the person's angle and the car's on fire behind batman and it's just one of those things that's like this is such a cool awesome shot i have to give it to matt reeves he's a great director i've liked all of his movies i've seen so far i think i might have seen all of them at this point but he really just has a great flair for like the visual noir that batman really should be i'm not as big a fan of the adam west and like the more campy versions like George Clooney and stuff like that. But this is kind of the more tone I want from my Batman. And I really enjoyed this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also need to give a really big shout out to Michael Giacchino. He is the composer of this score and Tommy. What a score too! that we didn't mm. touch on the music. The music in this is fantastic. It's riveting. It pulls you into the movie right away. You get it's all. I was listening to some of it before we started to record. We took 15 minutes. We got home. We took 15 minutes. We got ready to record. This is our live reaction to the Batman coming straight from the theater. And I was listening to a little bit of that soundtrack and, and just skipping around a little bit. But the way he was able to kind of build the tensions in very simple, like rhythmic patterns by adding and subtracting instruments. It, it just makes for really compelling, you know, musical. And it's, not, it's not even just like during the action scenes that the music's really swung. It's like during like very dramatic scenes where we won't, we won't spoil, but essentially Batman's talking to Alfred about stuff. And during those scenes where if it didn't have any music, it could have been boring or could have just been very unengaging, but the music keeps you in and keeps you locked in and keeps up the pace and tension but, of the movie. To, to And to like put it in contrast, like a Marvel, it's where, some kind of like very light strings and some kind of like fluttering for like a very emotional moment in the movie. That's what I was, you know, that's what you would typically expect, but no, it, it the music really helps drive the pace because it is a little long. And I think we, there you could cut some things personally. It is a big story that they're telling. It's not, it's not simple. Yeah. It's weird. Um, it's because I was telling you earlier today about like, I was joking saying like, because I was really tired going to this movie, and somehow uh, I was joking to Timmy earlier, being like, no movie should be three hours long, fuck this. <laughs> and going in, I was thinking that, and somehow, even though I was tired, and I'm still tired right now, I was wide awake and alert throughout this whole movie, and the pacing really kept me in. And there was never really a moment where I was just like, oh, God, I just want to fall asleep right now. I didn't feel that, and I was very pleasantly surprised that like they somehow made a three-hour movie that didn't feel like a three-hour movie at all to me. No, it definitely felt shorter. There were points where I felt like it dragged a little bit. And there's probably one or two action sequences you could have just cut from it. But all the action sequences were great. This is just more in terms of the pacing of the movie. That's more of where my, my complaints are. But Michael Giacchino, on the score, he is an Academy Award winning composer. He composed the soundtrack for Up, which won an academy award and he did like the star trek theme he's been doing the new jurassic movies he's done some of the marvel movies this is probably his best work and i the, i'm not big on we got to nominate superhero movies we got to put them in the oscars they totally deserve it no but 
this could definitely win. This is definitely the early front runner for best original score, in my opinion. In, in my opinion, it. I'm not even sure what else would be there right now. Um, well, obviously, like the, obviously, you won't know. You won't know yeah. until the end of the year. But uh, this is—it's one that will stick with me for a long time. And I could see myself listening to some of the music more than I could see myself <laughs> watching the entire movie in full. Like I'll Just probably driving watch driving through the streets, pretend like you're Batman of uh, the soundtrack uh, pounding. Like, oh my god, I'm in the Batmobile right now or some shit. <laughs> no, at the gym, Tommy. Put it on for some lifting playlists. Some lifting, get, getting your Batman workout in right there. You know, trying to get six pack and everything. Trying to yeah, finish hey, that hey, bat suit. Hey, he's he's buff, man. I, uh, who wouldn't want to look like Batman? You know, yeah, who wouldn't yeah. want to look like Robert Pattinson, handsome guy? Yeah, they know exactly. So, yeah. um, it's one of those things. Uh, or do you want to go to spoiler territory? Or mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's time for spoilers. Oh, All right. Spoiler alert. Yeah, you're in spoilers right. now, so sorry um, be warned so if you haven't seen the movie yet um put a pause right now and come back the second you see the movie so be warned yes, tommy they yeah. are aware of what a spoiler is thank you for defining yeah. miriam I mean, webster I need, the, I need the exposition right there so yeah. uh robert patterson i think might honestly be a top three batman actor for me now um i know it's a little early to say it. i know this is also coming off the hype of it but I mean, as Batman alone, I think that he was just great. He was just had a movie and just the uh, the whole movie felt the way this performance of just very dark and very gloomy and very depressed and just like essentially, you know, we, we complain about Bruce Wayne not being like amazing. Still, just like, I don't know, his Batman alone was just great. And he didn't have like the goofy Christian Bale voice that I tried to do in the beginning of the episode or anything like that. His, you know, Batman just came off just really badass and just really just like if you see this guy down an alley, he's gonna literally break every fucking bone in your body. <laughs> yeah, I, I I need to see him do it again because I think this is a pretty strong script. Like di- at, least, at least the dialogue felt felt real enough w- to match the tone that it wasn't like wasn't a total mess. Because if this didn't have strong dialogue, this movie would have been a disaster. And yeah. it was very story centric. This is not really a character movie at all. It's a little bit. It's a little bit of a character movie, but it's it's basically all about isolation and losing your parents early. That's like the only kind of character moments we see in the movie. Like Gordon is in this movie more than he's in any other Batman movie. Who played by Jeffrey Simmons, and he was he was a great he was a great Gordon. But At some points, I, it was like Lethal Weapon almost, where it was almost like a buddy cop comedy between he, Batman and Gordon, which I loved. <laughs> yeah, they put a buddy cop in a noir, in a noir drama, which is interesting. Uh, I liked yeah. it. it. It definitely added to some humor, um, uh, especially between Colin Farrell, who played the Penguin. Unrecognizable. Was, those yeah, prosthetics. unrecognizable. I didn't. I had to look it up, and I was like, "Wait a minute," because I saw him in the thing. I saw him in the credits, and I was like. Who did Colin Farrell play? He, he I didn't see. Was he one of the cops or something? I didn't see him in the movie. And then I was like, "Oh wow, yeah." And that's. I think that's a good use of makeup. And apparently, when um, the movie was filming, uh, when he uh, Colin Farrell wanted to test out his uh, prosthetics there, and um, he went to a local Starbucks down uh, down the street or for one of their filming or whatever. And nobody recognized him. And he was probably like, okay, fuck yeah, this is going to be great. And he does a great performance. It's one of those things that you kind of wonder to an extent, why did they just cast an actor that looked like the Penguin? Like, apparently Jonah Hill was up for the role. 
And I could have seen that a little bit. Jonah Hill wouldn't have been as massive. No, I think the way Jonah Jonah Hill works best for me when he needs to talk fast, like he needs the the he needs to to dictate the, the flow yeah. of conver the dictate the conversation pattern. And the Penguin's slow. He's fat. He's the embodiment of just pure greed, right? Like that's all his character is. He would give anything for a dollar. He's yeah. he's a slime ball. You could not have Jonah Hill, I think, effectively. Like, they casted it right. They they made an actor completely, a very famous actor, completely unrecognizable, and I appreciated that. Because I, I go there, into these with, that, with as little information as possible. I like to be surprised. Yeah, so I'm the exact opposite right now. Uh, they're making um, an HBO Max spinoff uh, with uh, Colin Farrell as the Penguin. So uh, it's going to be a TV show or something like that, I think. Um, I, don't, I can't I don't know wait why. to not watch it. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those things that's just like you're you're gonna watch it, Tommy. Stop, stop, stop. I'm gonna watch it, but uh, a lot of it just becomes to the point where it's like, okay, this is so much fucking effort. (laughs) Um, That being said, that being said, thank the nerds for that. Peacemaker was great. I'll say that though. (laughs) God. Okay. And I I think one of the things in the story that I felt was interesting was how much more Bruce Wayne's parents were intertwined in the story because they were a part of. The Riddler's big plan. He wants to clean the city sweep clean. Yeah. Clean sweep of the city. He wants to cleanse it of all the evil and all the corruption. I'm just glad we found out about what finally happened to those Wayne parents. Yeah, you know, I've been wondering for so long. Well, it wasn't what happened to it, but it, it gave <laughs> yeah. a killer a mo- it gave a motivation for it. They they at least didn't have the scene that like somehow every director recently has been thinking they need in their Batman movie, which is Martha and Thomas Wayne getting gunned down. It's like, okay, we get it. They're dead. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's just get past it, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, and it was connected to Bruce specifically. Um, his relationship with uh, Falcone, who is one of the mob bosses. He's, he turns out to be the mayor. Everybody was on his payroll except for Gordon and Bruce Wayne. And Bruce Wayne and Falcone had a relationship due to their due to bruce's father thomas wayne who helped him out of a pinch we get a very brief understanding of that and we have falcone telling telling bruce at one point he finds out that his father may have paid somebody to kill a writer who was going to publish a lot of scorn about the mental history of bruce's wife or bruce's mother I thought that was interesting. I thought, I actually thought for most of the part too, because like part of it was kind of just touching on like the protection of mental health. Like this is this politician's wife and you're just trying to attack him to take him down, right? And it was just like a subtle message of being like, hey, like it doesn't matter if they're famous or not. If they're suffering a lot of mental illness, trying to write an expose on it, like it's some, you know, massive revelation and that they're just trying to keep it under wraps is slimy and it's real and and i thought the other interesting thing was the riddler and i thought he was very much a q anon type figure and i thought it was pretty subtly done because he comes off immediately as a zodiac killer like right that 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 is what he's parodying he's very like incelly and everything like that like especially when you reveal who he is um it just comes off as like yeah you said q anon and like very like Reddit, uh, like a Reddit mod or something like that, and just like very loner type. And he somehow has a will of power where he's just like made 
people just you know cult of personality people love to follow him and i love that like you know they incorporated technology a lot in this movie like there's this one scene where um the riddler takes over um puts like a bomb on um the da's neck the riddler's kind of like jigsaw from like the saw movies in this way where he's like very like gritty like traps and like killer traps and stuff like that instead of like the goofy jim carrey type and that one scene with the da with the bomb in his head where he's just facetiming um the da was very menacing and his very uh very just like oh my god like what the fuck just the tension that's wrapped up and i like that films are starting to use that technology more and like you know how we actually communicate a lot more like we're doing on zoom right now <laughs> yeah i thought the one cool piece of tech they added to batman's character because like he always has his gear and, and it wasn't overly used he used like the, the the claw hook and the batmobile and then he had these contact lenses that he would put in his eyes and they would record everything and he would could go back and rewatch everything that he experienced mm-hmm. and he even had uh selena kyle zoe Kratt. Kravitz as Catwoman, Selena Kyle. She was she was also great too. Mm-hmm. I like that it, that it all intertwined. I like that it was just one focused story. When I hear a three hour runtime, I would have thought, okay, the Penguin is going to be his own thing, and then the like the Riddler is going to be the A story. Catwoman's going to be the B story. The, yeah, the Penguin's going to be the the C story. But it, there, what, there, it was just an A story. There was n- no real. Side. It all it all mixed in together, like because like you would have figured that like you know maybe it would have been like the first thirty minutes are just like okay here's the penguin and then the next hours here's Catwoman and then oh no the wait the Riddler's the big threat but this, at the end of the day I like that like we said uh, this is very much a noir story it's much more of a detective story than any previous Batman is it's a lot of Batman trying to decipher clues you get that off the Riddler a lot and it's just how it just all twines in it's like you're watching like uh, Nightmare Alley you know like 1930s noir and i loved it i love I, I i have to say though him and Gore, gordon are the worst detectives i've ever fucking they are horrible detectives in this movie they they are truly terrible i'm like thinking about how they actually went about things and they were they were terrible and i i know it said early it said that this is year two of batman so it's, it's early on right and i think we you can kind of see it a little bit in pattinson's performance it's different than other Batmans. Like Batman isn't the Batman yet. Like he is. Yeah, I did. I did like that because there's the way that there's a lot of like little subtle things. Like there's one scene where Batman has to run off like a um, jump off a building, and he gets to the top of a gargoyle instead of just immediately jumping off like a cool superhero. He takes a step back from him. He's like, "Oh fuck!" Like, "Oh shit!" Right? And yeah. when he escapes from there, he has his like this hang glider you know, kite thing, and he's trying to get under a tight underpass, and he completely wipes. He completely eats shit. Yeah. So that, that was part of it, but I thought some of these were too obvious, right? Like like the Riddler is sending photographs of who his targets are, who wh- where these things are, and it's all outside the Penguins Club, the Iceberg Lounge, or whatever the hell it's called. I like and, that all tied back to that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's they should not give this sequel another penny in budget because i think it only had 100 million in budget yeah keep it simple when you give these people 300 million they feel like they got to use 300 million and they're going to do it in putting vast locations yeah this that like no no keep it tight keep it tight man 
it's great how grounded it was and we didn't have like the stereotypical superhero movie thing of like you know the light blue thing in the sky that's gonna blow up the world and like you know the world's gonna end if uh batman doesn't save the day and in this case all that would have happened if batman didn't save the day was you know granted a lot of people would have died but batman batman actually had no influence in the end result of the movie other than the riddler being in jail but like and when you think about the riddler kind of won in some ways Oh, he he won for sure. Um, and he, like I was saying, he was they were terrible detectives, right? Like he's taking these pictures outside the club. Batman and Gordon didn't think like, hey, why don't we just get warrants and investigate all these properties around here to see it? Because they like walk into his apartment and he like it's it's everywhere. You know it's him. You know the second you walk in the place, it's him. They didn't, they didn't. They, like, you didn't think like from those pictures like oh oh wow they had like a pretty vast angle why don't we explore this building and see what happened no 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 we don't need to do that like I'm talking detective 101 stuff like yeah and well it's, it's not it, a plot it, hole but it's just like it's just like it shows turn. the inexperience of Batman because it makes Batman more of a valuable character I feel like in a way whereas I wouldn't uh, want to see the version where Batman was able to solve everything perfectly I mean you know no, it's it, a movie you, know, you have to do it but I, it, it's it's slightly unforgivable and I'm pretty, it doesn't ruin the movie for me. I really like the movie. Well, I, I like more... how they played it off, how like the penguin was like a false lead for them and uh, how they thought the penguin was, um, was it like, they thought the penguin was like uh, the, the informant or something or the rat rather. And he's like, yeah. oh, I'm not, I'm no rat. <laughs> and just, they find out like, Oh wait, we fucked up here. Um, it was just good in that way. Where it's just like, you know, the Riddler at the end of the day, was easily the smartest guy um, out of all of them. So let's talk about what I think is the biggest weakness of the movie. And it's really the only scene we have with the Riddler where he's the one scene with him and Batman in the same room and people are going to applaud it. And it's, it's a good performance, but it was like kind of cringe in my opinion. Um, especially when he started breaking into Ave Maria. And I thought Giacchino in the score and his themes particularly, it was nicely weaved in. It wasn't for the top, but it was there. But I, I felt like it was, okay, he's deranged, so let's just make him deranged, right? Although I, I do- don't know. I, I personally I personally like that scene. I mean, the only complaint I really had about it was it was kind of very derivative of um, the, the, what's it, the Dark the, Knight. The Dark Knight of like the Joker interrogation scene where it was just like, You're, we're not so different, you and I. Um, it, it, it was, well, th- they tease you in the sense that he thinks he knows the Batman is Bruce Wayne. Yes. Yeah. The connection between them is that that uh, the Riddler was also an orphan and his father was supposed to, you know, promise through this program to give them better funding or whatever. But when his father dies, nobody takes over this. Um, this charity charity thing and all the corrupt people in Gotham take take over and take the money and ruin it for 20 years and he was like mad that Bruce was getting attention as an orphan but he doesn't know what it's like to be an orphan but Bruce wasn't asking for attention a famous person in the town died was assassinated so obviously the story is going to follow that like that's just the unfortunate truth Bruce, Bruce Wayne has literally nothing to do with it like he's just mad that he was getting attention well the the brother uh, at the end of the day is not meant to be the same person he just was a very bitter 
and just like basically no, of course just... of course not but i but you yeah. understand what i'm saying like i like like i feel like the what always makes a joker great is that his intentions are true and they're not deranged and they can make sense from an anarchic sense when i try to just put on that that cap for a moment and just say okay let's look at it from his perspective i don't feel it from him i, I feel like it was just deranged because it needed to be deranged. Like it, you need to be like, oh, this guy's crazy. And no, I feel no, like people I, I are going to, to applaud Paul Dano's performance. And it's not, it's good. People are going to be like, oh, he's probably better than Heath Ledger as the Joker. He's not even in no. the same tier. He, he, Jack's, no, he's Jack's a better villain. But in my, it, in my opinion, but people are going, people are going to love it. People are going to love it. Yeah. I, if, I if you let me finish my it. sentence, uh, but uh you know, I, I, I disagree with you because um, I don't think it was just essentially just Bruce Wayne. I think it was just, in general, this is a guy who was disenfranchised and left behind by society. And he just felt, why the fuck does everyone care about this one guy who is a rich play, uh, who's a rich motherfucker? You know, he doesn't know what real pain is. I know what real pain is. Gotham left me behind, not this fucking rich boy that gets all the attention. He just said the other day, wasn't able to process the fact of what happened to him when he was a kid and took it out on society instead. And it's a very thing that we're seeing in society a lot, unfortunately. <laughs> no, I, listen, I'm, I'm not saying that, that it's not there. I just felt like, and maybe it's because we don't get enough of Bruce Wayne and maybe that's like a, a flaw of it. Like maybe if we had a little bit more establishment of like Bruce Wayne, the character, why he's so recluded. Cause we don't get any indication as to why other than his parents died. Yeah. I just, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to, I'm not like crapping on the movie, but I'm just trying to point out my initial thought of it. These are just the thoughts I had from the movie. People are going to love the performance and it's a good performance. It's, a, it's, a, you could even say it's a great performance. It's, people are going to put it in this like iconic status because it's edgy. And when edgy is done at least competently, people think that it's like the greatest gift to God's earth. But it's, I just felt like, it's not a fault of Paul, of Paul Reno's. It's just a flaw of or Paul Dano. It's it's a flaw of the 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 character in the script. I thought I always felt like an enigma was always there, but he was just diluted from society. Like him tying this all together around Bruce Wayne when everybody else had it coming. Bruce Wayne just lives by himself. He's not a corrupt member of society. He's a vigilante he you know he he is what he wanted like he the riddler wanted to partner with batman he felt like oh me and batman are are hand in hand we're, we're on the same team here which is obvious that's where like the delusion comes in strongly but him surrounding his whole plot kind of around bruce wayne like i'm looking at a poster of the movie and it's got Bruce Wayne in the lower third of it with, you know, the target circled around him. Like it was very clearly like a part of the movie. And I just felt like it wasn't enough to it if they had like interacted as children or something like that. But no, like they were just near each other once. And there was a- It, it was more so that he was just like tangentially related uh, that like Thomas Wayne was yeah. this guy who should have done stuff for him and didn't. And then- He's like, well, no one gives a shit about me and Gotham. You know, we really need to take it out. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I personally didn't have a problem with that that uh, whole scene or anything like that. I, and his performance was amazing. So, you know, opposites it, right here. <laughs> it, was, it was a good performance, but people are going to push the character up 
I've seen people saying it's better than Heath Ledger. It's not. It's not no. even on the same. I mean, playing where would you where would you rank them in terms? I mean, granted, you know, we just saw the movie, but where would I you would rank put them? Be- I would put them below Bane, and maybe it's just because we don't get enough of them. Because I'm not really counting the phone scenes with the mask on, where everything he's saying is scripted. I want to him unhinged and we only get one scene one one and a half scenes of that i think um, that he, for me he might be like in my top four i mean i'd put heath obviously ahead of him i'd put nicholson ahead of him i just watched 89 batman today uh for the first time in a while and nicholson's performance is just so captivating just so zany and fits that for that movie and then bane is probably number three and then probably riddler uh, if i decide so yeah, I mean, he might be there too, but you also got to remember that Batman has some of the best movies ever made, especially in mm-hmm. the action genre, and he also has some of the worst ever made. Um, like, I think I would put him and Bane on the same tier, like very good villains, but I and I would put Jack above them, and then I would put Heath a step above that. Yeah, Heath's like at the top of the pinnacle. Heath, of it. Heath, Heath. It made has made that movie iconic like that movie is iconic because of the joker and less so everything else around it that's how good that performance is in my opinion yeah yeah it, um, it just carries it <laughs> yeah no. but so so i guess going from that so where does pattinson rank in your batmans so i was thinking about this today um i and i was saying this at the top of the pod i think honestly maybe top three i mean um, he's obviously better than Clooney or um, Val Kimmer. Like, just take those away. Adam West is good, but you know it, it was of an era. And whatever. Adam West has his, it, it has its charm to it because yeah. you'll never see that portrayal again. Exactly, we're not going to see the goofy Batman. I don't think ever again, except for maybe like cartoons or whatever kids shows. Um, but Batfleck, I thought was okay, but his movies were shit. So, you know, I'd rank. Keaton, or I'd probably put Bale's number one, maybe, and then Keaton, and then Pattinson. So hopefully Pattinson, his next Batman movie, because he apparently signed up for a three-picture deal. So I'm very excited to see where he goes next. And I think that he just brings this an intensity to Batman that is more intense than I've seen of any other Batman before. And just great vibe, uh, great, like, gloomy, dark, and just narration in there and stuff like that. Like, this movie has narration that works, (laughs) you know? I mean, it's only got it at the beginning and the end. It doesn't really have narration anywhere else in the movie um, when he's writing in his journal. Um, but I, I think I th- he. It's weird because it's like I can't do the whole package because we don't have the whole package of him because he's just so limited as Bruce Wayne. It's just not in the movie. And even when he is Bruce Wayne, he's just acting as Batman and and not as Bruce Wayne. He just doesn't want the costume on. I. Th- think and his next movie will firmly dictate it keaton one pattinson two bale three i think keaton's just the iconic performance like i just will i haven't watched that movie in 15 years but i can still remember michael keaton watching it as as batman yeah i I think bale's voice of batman aged horribly (laughs) <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's it's just a fucking joke now, and it it it's one of the things that kind of stops me from going back is just knowing how much of that voice you're gonna get, even though those movies are so goddamn good. Yeah, um, 
<laughs> I, I think I need more Pattinson. I need him more because like Bane in contrast was the best Bruce Wayne by a mile and a half. Like just so good. Yeah. Just so goddamn good. Bringing that American psycho energy over. That's oh, he can always the be Wall, The crazy Wall Street like executive yeah. type. Yeah, so. bringing that bringing the suave over with, and dropping the crazy or making it an antagonist i am a star i'm a star i'm a star i'm a star i am a big bright shining star it's robert pattinson's movie and it's not even close it's kind of like last week with legally blonde this is a one-man show he is the vehicle if he was not good in batman this movie would be a disaster um, I agree. I mean, like the only other person you can maybe make a contender for would be the Riddler at, at best. But I mean, even he's then, he's not in the movie. He's not in the movie enough, which I think works in the movie's favor. I think the less of him is better. I yeah, actually, I actually wish we didn't get the back and forth, and we just got the the scene of him with the Joker. Yeah, the Joker's in it. I'm, I'd have to look into who it actually was. I tried I looking just, up on IMDb and like and Wikipedia before um, before we recorded, and uh, they still don't have the information up. So I mean, like, I think it might be Leo. Honest, it kind of sounded like him. Oh, that'd be insane if if they just put Leo DiCaprio I'll just sneak As him in Joker. to the it, Batman movie. It, the Joker's become this like prestige role. It, yeah. Like Joaquin Phoenix is probably the best actor on the planet, and he played the Joker. The, the fact that, like, you know, in the past 12 years, two actors have won um, an Oscar for playing the Joker and the other's Jer- and there's Jared Leto that no one talks about. <laughs> well, it's, but, best if, it's best if we leave yeah, it alone. Less, less said, the better. So, uh, but yeah, Pattinson is easily the star of this movie. Um, you know, like, like I said before, he just keeps an intensity in this movie. And, you know, if he was just kind of, just, uh, apparently he tried like a higher voice when he started out, which wouldn't have worked. And, but in general, just, the tone of the movie revolves around his performance. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I also want to say this to one Zoe Kravitz was excellent too. Like she's a contender. The performances were all great, but Pattinson's the vehicle. Like he, you're going to ride or die with him. You're not going to be able to do anything else. But before we move on a little bit, we didn't really cover the ending where the Riddler's grand plan is to break the levees that surround Gotham City, which is New York City. And the mm-hmm. finale takes place in Madison Square Garden, where the new mayor is being inducted in. And while the Riddler is in jail in Arkham City, this is th- his minions are going to pull off his assassination. And at the same time, bombs blow up, they break the levees in, and the city is completely flooded. And the, the top of Madison Square Garden and other tall buildings is the only safe point in the city because it, you know, it's like it's 30 feet of water or whatever. Um, I love that this movie, this, the climax of this movie really is him rescuing people. Like, mm-hmm. I can't think of a superhero movie that has rescuing people just being a, a hero, like what we associate with hero like you see those not just being the shit out of people this is like really like there's a whole fucking and i mean he does that before that but like you could have just ended the movie there and i love that they didn't and i was complaining about the length and you could trim some some of the fat in the middle personally but they it's it, it this most visually distinct shot in this movie is five minutes left and batman drops down into the water and he rescues all the people that are trapped under these barriers with a with a you know a fire flare, flare spark the, with the flare, flare with a flare and the black 
surrounding most of it, the water and the reflection of that light as they're like an overhead shot as they're mm. walking out. And I was like, oh my God, that's powerful because that's like the kind of visual. And it ends with him like carrying somebody and putting them on a, you know, an air hospital to put it up. And it's mm. out of character for Batman because Batman, at least in the other movies, is always the guy that, you know, they're talking to him, right? And it's a close up of face. And then it's, hey, where'd he go? Yeah, you like, know, oh, he disappeared. Like, you just got out of here. <laughs> that's how every Batman movie ends. And this one does not end that way, which, thank you. I really do appreciate and, that. Uh, they, they do a lot of different things with the character this time around. And, like, literally, just that moment of, like, even when he's putting the kid in the stretcher, he's, like, holding the kid's hand. You can tell that, like, uh, I think this kid, if I remember correctly, was, like, shown throughout the movie. And, of like, yeah. you know, because uh, that was, like, the mayor's son that got... Uh, the mayor who died yeah. in the movie or something. So you can tell that like Batman really sees a lot of himself in this kid. And it's yeah. just kind of like, he's always, lo- he, he's always looking at him like, you're going to be all right, kid. Like, like yeah. you know, like it fuels that motivation of like why he does it. Like he always sees it at the point that he needs to see it. Like it's three times, I think throughout the movie, but it's just him looking over at him. And it's almost like the kid knows exactly who he is. He won't be <laughs> able to say it, but if he was ever told, he'd be like, I know, I, I yeah. know, like, cause he sees him as Batman and then he sees Bruce Wayne giving him the same exact look. Um, also one other, not a critique because it won't happen. It'll never happen, but I really wanted Batman to die at the end of this movie. Like so bad. It, it would have been amazing. There's a moment, there's a moment in the end of the movie where like Batman got like shot off a shotgun. And like, I was honestly thinking for a while, I was like, are they gonna like just make this a standalone Batman movie and just kill him off and just complete it completely? I would have lo- I would have loved that. Not not that way. I would have loved if it was like like the sparking lamp or whatever that's about to get in the water and like he like clamps on or something and it's like getting electrocuted and holding it off while Gordon and the others are like evacuating people out of there or something and he dies yeah, heroically. Like, the, the like something sacrifice. it would have to be something epic like that. And honestly, that's probably how this trilogy is gonna end. There's a zero percent chance that Batman lives after this, you know, at the end of this more trilogy. Than, more than any other Batman, this Batman has a fucking death wish. <laughs> this Batman's dying. Yeah. Th- this yeah. Batman is so 2005, it makes Batman begins blush. He's going to that when something. You- He's going to that when we were young fest in uh, fucking Vegas. All oh, he, oh, he, he's there. That's the one day he's leaving Batman. That's the one day he's going to be like, Gordon, I got to take a day off in September. Why? When we were young fest. And then I got to see, see Paramore. I got to see Paramore. I got to see uh, Bright Eyes. I got to cry. You know, come on. My Gordon. chemical romance, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was... Yeah, it, it was good, but oh man, I would have loved Batman to die in this movie. Oh my god, it would have been amazing. But it, it would have fit. It would have been one of those things that if they killed it would have Batman, thematic, I, it would have thematically fit so well. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't I don't think most people would be mad. I mean, you know, probably fanboys would, but whatever. Of course, fan, <laughs> fanboys are gonna be mad about this movie regardless. It doesn't yeah, matter. I can't wait for like two weeks from now. People are like, ah, nitpicky and all this shit about stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you ready, comedy partner? Waka waka. Okay. No. Tommy, give me your review. Um, so, yeah, no for Muppets. It would not work as a Muppet movie. Uh, so, anyways, uh, just to wrap things up, you know, I think this is one of my favorite Batman movies um, probably of all time, probably in my top four. Um, they really just make it go out of the way where, like I said earlier, this movie is a three-hour movie, and 
I didn't feel its length. And that's a testament to his pacing. That's a testament to Matt Reeves directing. He's honestly been on a hot streak between Cloverfield, Let Me In, and the Planet of the Apes movie he did. And I'm honestly just excited to see where the trilogy goes next. Christian Bale's amazing. Uh, not Christian Bale. Fucking uh, Robert Patterson. Uh, I'm calling him uh, Pat Pat Bat. So don't, um, don't just leave it. Leave it in the grave. Pat 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 Pat, Pat Stain. I'm I'm making I'm making it happen. It's happening. But anyway, so Pat Bat. Well, I guess so if you great. do that, means the po- that means the podcast is doing well if that catches on. Yeah. So exactly. So make it viral. Hashtag Pat Bat. <laughs> So anyways, uh, to finish my review, um, you know, all the characters in the world of Gotham feel so fully realized and, you know, all the supporting villains and everything. And there's just the Riddler was such an engaging Zodiac, intense, like frightening villain, to be honest. And if I had to give this a rating, I'd have to give it a 4.5 out of 5. I think for me, what makes this movie stands out is the way it visually tells its story, because I think. I have some flaws with some of the motivation of the story. And I think on a second watch, I'll probably find more holes and I don't look for plot holes, but I think, I think they're, they're in there with a, with a deeper inspection and not in a bad way. Cause when mm. your movie is visually compelling enough, I don't give a shit. I want to just watch it because it's really cool to fucking watch. Pattinson is fantastic. He's a really terrific Batman this might be the best Batman score of all time in a movie. I really need to give my hats off to Michael Giacchino because, oh, he was just terrific. I can see myself listening to this a decent amount. It's it's a fantastic score, and it all really ties together to Matt Reeves' vision, and it was really nice to see them be like, okay, you have this vision? Great. Do it. Don't fuck with it. And DC is kind of infamous for fucking around with their director's visions and making it shit, and they didn't do that, so... Good job, DC. I'm glad you learned. Don't don't think don't get high on your britches for the second movie. All right. That's that's my warning to you executives that are listening to small podcasts to try to get true opinions. Four to five. Great movie. You're gonna love it. If you love Batman, it's everything you want from a dark emo fest. That's not too emo, it's not too dour, despite being an intense, sad movie. I didn't come away being like miserable. I didn't come away feeling miserable, which could, very easily could have happened. Thankfully, like the Penguin and other characters just kind of kept up some levity and just kept it up so it wasn't all just doom and gloom. So, yeah. yeah. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our takes on the Batman. If you want to know what my real opinion of the Batman will be, ask me in like two months after I have some time to sit on it. But I did really enjoy it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. This is my final take. Uh, Tommy, any last words? I uh, just want to say like and subscribe us. Um, so, you know, I haven't seen it on um, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Like and subscribe, five stars. Five stars would be great. Um, we're seeing it pod on Instagram and Twitter. So, you know, follow us on social media. Thanks, guys, for listening. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.